Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Here is um, an email I received uh, from Beth, who says, Up until about 10 years ago, back in the safe, legal, and rare days, the main argument of abortion proponents was that the fetus wasn't really developed during the first half of a pregnancy, that it was just the, you know, proverbial clump of cells. Advances in medicine and technology have disproven that myth, but as far as I know, supporters of abortion have never been made to account for their mistaken theories and abruptly changed their arguments without explanation. Uh, I prefer consistency in my philosophical outlook. Inconsistency is the product of a scattered mind. Thanks for the show, Beth. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, there was a shift, remember, because... Uh, the new Democrats, Bill Clinton, saw this as a as a losing issue for them, and so they they pivoted to this this language of safe, legal, and rare. I have maintained on this uh, on this topic. I have maintained that a lot of people have enjoyed not having to deal with it, and that includes people in talk radio. Okay, there are a lot of people in the media, in talk radio, that and, and, and on the left, they enjoyed not having to talk about it. I believe the turning point came when David Delighton and the Center for Medical Progress released the undercover videos of the Planned Parenthood, right? The, the selling of the baby body parts and all of that. Those videos came out. It forced the public to look at this industry that had been growing in power uh, since those days of safe, legal, rare. And um, when people started looking at it and people started raising some questions and people actually started then, you know, engaging in the fight. And if you are in this arena, then you've got to be, you know, happy warrior and walk towards the fight. And that's what I do. Now, I also recommend that you stop and sharpen your axe so you may cut more wood. You got to unplug. You got to have, you know, uh, you got to take rest um, and recharge. Everybody has to. You can't be fighting all the time. You'll exhaust yourself and it's no way to live. But another thing here, and my colleague Brett Winterbull comes on uh, three to six on WBT here. Uh, he says this, too, that some people are just not cut out for this. And I agree. And. Some people just are not good. I mean, you know the type of person that they are. It, it consumes everything about their life, and it's uh, and, and it's like a sports nut who watches their team and gets too attached to the outcome. Like if if you know their team loses, they sink into deep depression. Uh, they they beat up on their family members, stuff like that. You know that you you should not be. You know if that's you, then you shouldn't be. <laughs> Uh, participating. This is obviously not a good thing for your mental health, right? But if you are going to be in the arena and you're going to do this and you enjoy it and you don't, you know, you don't, you know, beat up people when you uh, when you argue uh, from a policy perspective, then you know the key here is that you have to walk towards the fight. And for a long time, because of Roe v. Wade, 
And it was, you know, quote, settled law. And they, we just kept hearing that. And, and in I can tell you this also. People say, oh, you shouldn't talk about guns and abortion because, you know, people have their minds made up on it. But do they? Do they have their minds made up on it or do they have sort of a ignorance is bliss approach where, oh, good, it was settled. I don't have to think about it anymore until I actually do. And then things changed and now people do have to think about it. And I think for a long time that people in talk radio did a disservice to our country by not talking about it. I do. I think and I, and I include myself in that in my early days when I first started doing this. I, too, bought into this idea that, well, you're not going to really change anybody's mind on this. But how else do you change people's minds on this? Right? How otherwise, I mean, really, like, what is the other way? This is how we settle disagreements in a free and civil and peaceful society. If we don't settle it by talking about it and having these discussions and having laws run and having, you know, policy debates, if we don't do it that way, then what? But we either just ignore it or or we start killing each other. We start using violence to achieve our aims. I reject that. So this is part of this is the arena we are in. And you can tell people who are are not comfortable in their positions. I know what my positions are. I also recognize that my positions are not shared by an overwhelming majority of the people. I know I know that. Right. And so I look at what is achievable. I look at what is attainable, right? Hence my position on the school vouchers, for example, right? To me, that is a, uh, that's a compromise position. And I would think it should be a compromise position among public school defenders as well, people who love public schools. You know, if your public school is doing well, then you should be able to compete too, right? You'll win those vouchers. <laughs> I'm not going to go off on the voucher topic. <laughs> I almost did. I'm going to pump the brakes on that. Let's get back, get back onto this legislation that is now being um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just saw uh, there was a there's a Democrat who was out yesterday recovering from surgery in the House. He was a uh, who's this? To Democratic Representative Marvin Lucas. Uh, he will be back to sustain Cooper's veto of the abortion bill. Um, and so this 12 week cap on elective abortions for no reason whatsoever, right? That to me sounds an awful lot like a mainstream compromise position. And so when asking, when do rights obtain? My answer is at conception. I know that a lot of people don't agree with me on that. And I don't, I don't like it. But I'm a realist. I understand that people have different opinions about it. Sure. Unlike this fella from the law school uh, who is still, I guess, you know, he's a you know baby lawyer, not even a baby lawyer in training. But apparently doesn't. I mean, I don't know where he's going to school, but my God, it's what an embarrassment for whatever institution that's that is. Uh, the guy doesn't understand like, oh, we can't legislate murder and these types of questions. Uh, hey, moron. Absolutely. We do. You realize that, right? Every single general statute that they're trying to uh, stuff into your skull of mush, right? They're all passed by lawmakers. It's right there in their job description, right there in the title. Lawmakers. They make the laws. And the laws are rooted in, yes, subjectivity. For example, 
how long should a prison term be? We're going to have to come up with some sort of number, number of months, number of years, right? Based on whatever crime you committed, we're going to say you deserve to go to prison for X amount of time. Why that amount of time? Right? Why, why life in prison without parole for murder? Or why not 30 years? Well, why not 29 and a half years? Right? These are all subjective numbers, you idiot. <laughs> right? <laughs> but property rights. Right? Can a, can a government come in and take your property? Right? Isn't that a subjective thing? Or how about trying to value the property when the government takes it? What limits there should be on, for example, gun ownership? Right? All of these things are subjective. They're based on where society is at any given moment and what we deem to be subjectively appropriate. That's the point. And when you refuse to even engage in having that argument, well, now I know you're either ignorant, you've not thought about these things, so therefore you really shouldn't be uh, uh, holding yourself out as some sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, fighter in this arena because you're, 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 you're an ignoramus. You haven't thought about it. So think about it. But then when, when posed the question to try to make them think about it, what do they do? Obfuscate. They dodge. That's not, that's not really the question. Why not? Why isn't it the question? They want to be able to say that there should be no limits whatsoever, but they don't want to have to say that there should be no limits whatsoever. Right? That's their problem. That's their problem. They, they know if they say, well, okay, I'll agree, you know, no abortions without any kind, you know, uh, without exception through the pregnancy, through nine months, through delivery. Right? Because once I'm all about limiting principles, like I want to know what your what is the limiting principle here? When do you go too far? Where the guardrails are? I say this too. Where's the end zone? Tell me where the end zone is so we know where we're going. Right? And we'll know when we get there. You can't just tell me that we're on this journey and we're just going to keep going forward in perpetuity. No, I want to know where the end zone is on this policy. What is it you're trying to accomplish? What's the goal? Right? And I know you guys understand this concept on the left. I know you do. Because you ask it of the people that are trying to outlaw abortion totally. Right? You think every single restriction that comes down the pike is one step closer to an outright ban. So you want to know where the end zone is for them. And so that's all I'm asking you. But they can't do it because they're cowards. They're cowards. They, they, they're either afraid of their own base or they're afraid of the backlash from us normies when we find out, oh, my gosh, you really do want to murder a child halfway out the birth canal. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the problem with their argument. Not my argument. Look, and I understand, too, why they bail on these arguments all the time. Like, if I had to argue that position, holy smokes, like, I would be I would be bailing on it, too. It's a terrible position. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? A couple of messages here from a parent who uh, was on a school field trip 
They happen to have booked it to go to Raleigh for the Capitol yesterday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That just of all the days, right, that you're there to witness democracy in action, right? <laughs> you're there for this, this dumbassery. Um, and this person says most of the parents that were there supported the protesters. Um, but it was hard to keep this person says it was hard to keep my cool. Um, there were people with black bandanas on their face started popping up as time progressed. Um, there's a bunch of pictures here. Um, and then decided it wasn't worth it to engage in, you know, this discussion, uh, during the lunch break at the picnic tables with all of the other students and I, and, and, and chaperones, I guess, whatever. And I get that. I totally get that. Um, I, I always say this is this gig that I have, this job that I do, this profession that isn't a profession. <laughs> That's a reference to yesterday's show. Right, this, but this career, like I recognize I have privilege. I have talk show host privilege. I get to talk about stuff in ways that a lot of you don't. I Just because some corporate HR person is going to come along and, and toss you out or make you go through... Uh, some sort of struggle session. Now, I don't think I'm completely immune from that. Um, And I've always kind of thought it comical where uh, companies will hire people to come in. And uh, like, I'm not a shock jock. I'm no Howard Stern. I never liked Howard Stern. I don't, I don't do things for shock value. Um, I try to engage in conversation. I, uh, you know, I give you my honest opinion about stuff. Like mayo is the superior condiment, stuff like that. You know, even if it's like really controversial items as well, stuffing versus dressing. So, uh, but, you know, and then on some lesser stuff like abortion and gun control. But these are my own opinions. And at some point, you know, maybe I do run afoul of somebody in in a corporate setting and they let me go for that. I don't know. But I've always thought it funny when, you know, companies hire shock jocks to come in and then they say shocking stuff and then they get fired for it. Like, well, wait, what did you hire them to do? Right? What that they're doing what you wanted them to do. Oh, that's like, okay, get shocking. Be shocking. Be shocking. Oh, too shocking. You're fired. <laughs> um but I think the 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 silver lining on the story, not silver it's a nice ending to the story here is that this parent said that their child um they talked with their child afterwards rather than engaging in some sort of, you know, politically charged argument at the legislature with, you know, your your kids peers with students and teachers and stuff because again like there's there's a risk reward you know is the juice worth the squeeze there do you want to engage in this argument with teachers administrators chaperones other par- other parents other adults whatever you know passers by that may hear your statements about things then all of a sudden like you're in the middle of this shout fest right maybe that redounds to the negative uh, uh, impact on your kid or something with the with the teacher. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of downside. Is the juice worth the squeeze? But afterwards, parent says they talked with their kid, and the kid says it's amazing. Or it says, uh, "quote It's a life. You can't kill a life. That's illegal." That's what the child said. <laughs> it's very clear to the kid. Right to the twelve-year-old or thirteen-year-old, whatever age, like that. And then the kids said that uh, they love politics, 
which like that. T- well, okay. I said it was a happy ending. That's not a happy ending at all. Okay, that's terrifying. Okay. All right. Now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. We do have our own Laura Bud from Mecklenburg, state representative, Democrat. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, she's from Mecklenburg. I got some audio from her. She spoke for a bit uh, during the floor debate on the abortion bill, SB 20. Uh, last night. First, let me get to this email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, I was listening to your show, thank you, and heard you discussing the 20-week exception for rape and incest. I don't know the text of the law, but very likely to qualify for those exceptions, the woman seeking an abortion will have to file a police report of the rape or name the family member who committed the incest. Otherwise, anybody could make the claim and extend her time period. There is no requirement for that in the bill. There is no requirement to, to file a police report. There's no requirement uh, to name the person that raped you or uh, the incestuous relative. None of it. It's not in the law, not in the bill. So, yeah, there's an opportunity for people to lie. Now, that being said, if you are trying to have the abortion after the 12th week, but before the 20th week, and you're using that as the excuse, which, you know, by the way, we're probably going to find out pretty quickly if all of a sudden, like, the reported rape and incest numbers start, you know, going through the roof (laughs) after passage of the law, then I suspect we're going to, yeah, okay, look, a lot of people are lying about it. Um, And then maybe there is a follow-up law that occurs, and I suspect Republicans would be interested in in doing that, I don't know if they would have enough votes to override a veto. I don't know when that might happen. I'd, there's a lot of unknowns still on that. Democrats are worried that that would be the next step because that's what happened in Florida. And, yeah, I suspect you should be concerned about that if you don't want, you know, I mean, if, if you want people to be able to lie to get abortion access, if you want them to be able to lie about being raped or being the victim of incest because otherwise you can't get the abortions that you support them having— then I suspect you would be worried about making people prove through a police report that they actually were really raped or victimized by uh, an incestuous relative, right? But that's not part of the bill right now. Um, Also, the bill sounds like real old-fashioned bipartisan compromise where neither side got everything they wanted, so they came together and found reasonable ground. Imagine that in a democratic government. That is exactly what the Republican women's working group, it was all women that were that, lawmakers from the Senate and the House. They were all Republicans. They reached out to Democrats. They asked them, hey, do you want to do you want to join us in this working group? Democrats went back, checked with leadership and leadership said no. And so the Democrats did not participate. And now they come back and say, you didn't let us participate. Um. But they say that they sought 
to craft a mainstream bill, something that most people would be okay with. And when you look at the polling on this stuff, it is. It is. And you don't get that from the media coverage. I've got the stories here. You don't get it from the coverage. You know, new abortion restrictions. How dare they? Um, There are exceptions in the cases of rape, incest, and fetal abnormality or anomaly. The existing exception for when the life of the pregnant woman is in danger would remain. That's already on the books. The law would make adoptions easier. It would improve health care access. Um, Cooper called the bill, quote, an egregious, unacceptable attack on the women of our state. Oh, I just saw uh, some organization called Charlotte Uprising, which doesn't sound insurrection-y at all. Um, uh, They pointed out uh, in in some tweet to one of of our Peatniks, as we call ourselves, um, well, we were trying a different term because, you know, phobe is like afraid. File is friendly, and we were like, no, let's not do that. So we went with the Peatniks. It's better, yeah, just from a branding standpoint, it was better. Um, but uh, it's a terrible joke. Anyway, um, they said that, you know, not just women get pregnant. So we, that, that has entered the, uh, <laughs> that's entered the debate. <laughs> Charlotte Uprising is here for the, you know, not, not just women get pregnant. Not just women have abortions argument. That has entered the fray. Uh, So here's Laura Budd. She said that she knew that when she won election, that uh, she was going to, this day was going to come, and she was going to have to cast a vote here on this issue. She said uh, while she is disappointed, she is not surprised. She dismissed the support programs as things uh, that the legislature should already be doing. Yes, those are good. But you should be doing those because those are the right thing to do regardless. They are not something that sugarcoats or takes away from what's being done today. They're merely tokens that are done in support of this legislation, which is dehumanizing to women. And it doesn't make the action in this legislation any less cruel. I also want to raise the fact that this bill does not apply to any woman sitting in this chamber or the Senate chamber. None of us is actually subject to it. We have the power in the state of North Carolina to go and obtain the health care that we want, that we think we as women are entitled to. We are in positions of power and privilege. We have the opportunity to leave the state of North Carolina. We can go to South Carolina. We can go to Virginia. We can go to California. Because guess what we have? We have the ability to pay for a hotel, to take a week off of work. Oh, my gosh. To pay for food, to pay for and arrange for child care. Well, why would you need child care? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Does that strike anybody else as, I don't know, just a little arrogant, a little braggy, a little, oh, look at us. We're in power. We're powerful people. We can travel. Like, really? The poors can't. Is that, is that the idea? Oh, you poor people, you can't drive. <laughs> this is like, it's almost, it's almost, it smacks of the voter ID arguments that they make. Well, you know, they can't get ID, you know, because they're just not able to for some reason. Why wouldn't? They not be able to get a, they had a driver's license. What are you saying? What are you actually saying here? 
Also, does South Carolina have more liberal abortion laws than North Carolina under this new law? Was that I was that that was a surprise to me. I did not realize that. But considering we are surrounded, I mean, she listed Virginia and South Carolina. I mean, that doesn't seem very far to have to go to get your abortion on. I don't know. Let me jump over here and get some phone calls. Here is Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Doing great, Pete. How about yourself? Hey, I am all right, sir. Doing all right. Well, this whole thing about this abortion issue, I've been getting a lot of thought about it and everything. And uh, They scream out, my body, my choice. Well, once you engage in that sexual activity, the consequences is the pregnancy of your choice. No different than stealing candy from a store or whatever. You get caught, you get prosecuted. No, you don't. So come on, Jeff. Where's Jeff. Come in? Jeff, you don't get prosecuted for stealing candy. Come on. Well, just use that as a weak example. <laughs> you, know, you know how the system works today, but there's no, you know, nobody wants accountability. Then we make the red tape so hard for people who won't, would like, love to adopt these children. But it would make it hard to where they can't even, you know, the people who can't have children who want to have children, and, you know, here we are, quick solution, anything we do wrong, we just try to find a way to cover it up instead of, hey, we made the choice. Right, well, it's consequence-free life, right? There, People want to be spared the ramifications of their own decisions, and, um, yeah, this... And and that's part of the what's in this bill is to make it easier for people to adopt and to foster kids. That's part of the that, that that's part of the bill. And the Democrats' argument is that well, you should do that stuff too, but just leave you know leave this other part of the equation out of it. And um, like uh, that's fine. You know, run run standalone bills, whatever. But I also know that there's a a strategy there is that they can kind of get. A couple of uh, Democrats maybe to peel off and support the bill if they throw stuff like this in there. So um, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. No, definitely. It's just a you know sad scenario that we got to live in a society like this to where there's no more consequences for anything though. Uh, and the Republican Party they don't come out and just flat out say, "Hey, your body, you got that right. You made a choice. That's right. This is a." What happens when you make that choice and there's enough contraceptive out there to where there's no issue anymore? The education's there. Well, they and they would say, right, so abstinence works 100% of the time, but the, uh, but that's, you know, we can't, we can't you know, uh, rely on people to do that. And so you, have, you do have these other options, but as we heard in some of the testimony over the last day or so, that there are women who, for whatever reasons, they are on certain medications, they can't take some of these other uh, types of products and so all that they're left with are you know condoms and they they they're only like effective like 89 or 90 percent of the time and so uh th- that always presents a risk again once you assume that you are going to make the choice to have the have the relations then yeah i mean that's that that is part of the risk along with stds for that matter right i mean that's that, that part of the risk as well <laughs> All right, uh, Jeff, yeah, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Let me jump over here and get Steve on before the news. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call, Pete. I yes, appreciate sir. it. Yes, sir. I'm just calling to weigh in and say this. In the last week, I've heard a presentation by a Dr. Lyle in Panama City, Florida. This is a doctor that has been doing surgeries on uh, babies that are 10, 15 weeks gestation. Mm. He actually does spinal bifida surgeries that are successful. Wow. He showed pictures of doing removal of tumors 
in the chest of the babies. He does blood transfusions. My key point here is that the idea, my body, my choice, that is a lie straight from the pits of hell because there's a live person in there. It's their body. They have a separate DNA, and there are doctors like this gentleman who is successfully doing surgeries that are way, way more complex than you would have ever thought could be done. Yeah, just a uh, short time ago. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing stuff. This doctor, now, one thing I will say, he gave testimony that at some of his, uh, he does these seminars around. He had a couple of testimonies where he had people who came to him afterwards, and they told him, we were pro-choice, and we're not Christians. We don't. But just looking at the scientific stuff that you showed us, the fact that you're operating on a separate human being, mm-hmm. they're convinced the abortion issue is dead wrong. Yeah. it's um, The DNA argument is a powerful one, the separate DNA, but there is also this, uh, uh, there's a conflict of, of rights and interests, right, um, in, in that you've, or competing, I should say, competing rights, competing interests, and that requires this kind of policy discussion. And, you know, contrary to what the uh, uh, the activists online say, uh, it is subjective. These things are subjective. I understand, like, like when you put the limits in place and what will, you know, most of society be willing to live with and what will they not be willing to live with. And all of this stuff is in flux. And that's why we have the debate. And that doctor's story and that uh, that family story, that should be part of it as well. Steve, I appreciate the call. Uh all right, let me get Dean on real quick. Hello, Dean. I only have like 30 seconds for you. Okay. Um, this is not my personal view because my personal views are my personal views, but I feel that every every time we talk about abortion, it's the consequences, the consequences. I think we could solve this by offering every woman that takes a baby to a full, torn, full term, the government gives her a brand new Lexus. Hmm. All of a sudden, no more abortions. We don't have to worry about them. Can you get multiple Lexuses? Yeah. Every kid? So I can have a whole fleet? I can have a whole fleet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's going to help the economy. More cars, more Hmm. people. We're talking about the birth rate going down. I just see it solving a multitude of problems. Yeah, you did. It sounds like a win-win-win. By the way, I got a message for you, Dean, from um, Gregory who said uh, on your call yesterday, escrow costs more than you paying directly because you are paying for a service to manage the account that'll pay your tax and insurance, etc. A human has to check that account, manage the changes in the amounts, make sure enough is prepaid so all obligations can be met. Insurance increases, tax changes, blah, blah, blah. That's why you get those adjustment escrow letters now and then. So it's not just added on. All right. Thanks for the call. Good solutions, Dean. (laughs) 